Hello, everybody. Germ here, and welcome back to Mentally Diseased, the show, channel, whatever it is, where we talk about Jehovah's Witnesses and gay stuff and try to dispel some common misconceptions about so-called mentally diseased apostates. Today, I am very excited to welcome onto the channel an old friend. He's actually been a friend of the channel for a long time now, Adam Van Wordham. Uh, Adam just appeared on the explosive investigation into Jehovah's Witnesses by Australia's program, Four Corners. It was called Bearing Witness, Exposing the Secretive World of Jehovah's Witnesses. Leviticus 18.22 You must not lie down with a male in the same way that you lie down with a woman. It is a detestable act. Adam, hi, how are you doing? I'm really good, Jeremy. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you. You're famous now. How does that feel? <laughs> it's a bit freaky, actually, considering like... Six months ago, I don't think I could actually spit out the words that I um, I was gay. And then suddenly I'm sort of being interviewed about it and talking live about it. And I think I looked at the stats, like 2.5 million people have watched that Four Corners documentary. It's a little bit a little bit freaky for me, really. A little freaky, yeah. <laughs> you did a great job, though. I was really impressed. It seemed uh, like, you know, like you do this all the time. Did you practice? No, I think like, maybe, you know, getting... Get it being a JW growing up doing lots of lots of talking, you get used to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that whole moment was really big for you. I remember that we used we were having uh, conversations about it leading up to it, and you were pretty nervous about going on. You almost backed out a couple of times because this was your big coming out moment. I don't think they even said it on the show, but you were not out prior to this, were you? No, not at all. There's only really a, like a handful of people who I've spoken to about it and a bit of gossip from the past and people pick up on stuff. So a small amount, but really the majority of people didn't know. And I've never really, I've always, it's always freaked me out a little bit just going up to someone and going, hi, guess what? You know, like it's, <laughs> it's yeah, I'm gay. You know, <laughs> that's it. You know, it's so, so I've, um, I just didn't know how to do it, particularly as I was starting to come to terms with my own head. So I really came out to a couple of very close friends here and we talked about it a lot. And we talked about the idea of discussing it on the, on the documentary. And they were worried about me thinking I wasn't going to cope so much. And I was worried as well because I've had a few you know, mental health issues with the whole issue, of course. And then I, I just thought, you know what? it's going to be healing for me to help me be myself and basically just to get 11 done with everyone knows now and that's it so yeah, if you're going to come out come out on national tv everyone has yeah. like big dreams and uh, or <laughs> nightmares about how they're going to come out and i think that i mean you got me beat that's for sure how does it feel now that it's done it's actually 
I feel way better than I expected I would ever feel. Besides the, besides other stress I've got with my family, I've, you know, and the whole JW and shunning thing or whatever, like I actually feel happier than I've been for a long, long time. And I feel quite genuine. I, I think anyone who's grown up as a gay JW would, or even maybe not, not JW even, would recognise it. You do have this sort of schizophrenic personality and you keep this secret side to yourself. And like I'm 50 and doing that for such a long time becomes mentally damaging to you. And finally, about a sort of just be yourself. Like, not that I'm sort of really going to change that much, but it's just, I think, being able to just express yourself, knowing that you haven't got this little secret niggling away inside you, even if you're just not talking about that subject, but you can actually just get on with life. And people, I know people like my neighbors, my colleagues, others who I'm close to, they meet me and they've seen me, and there's nothing's changed at all. They've just treated me exactly the same. And it's just like really, it's like quite a big relief really you know so i i'm i'm really happy about it yeah yeah it's it's very liberating and almost disappointing but also a huge relief because you're always afraid you know when you're in the closet you're so scared of how people are going to react and you know in in today's you know modern culture most people are just like okay whatever um and that's really cool, but also kind of disappointing because I stressed out about this for years and years and years for I guess nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. use the you use the oh. word schizophrenic in there, which I'm curious about what you mean by that. Um, but let's like kind of go let let's go back in time and talk about what your experience was like as a Jehovah's Witness and maybe maybe how that plays into it. What was it like to be a gay Jehovah's Witness? Okay, I I grew up in a reasonably liberal family. We were fourth generation JWs, but I always knew that I was gay. Looking back at it, um, but quite early on, I also experienced some um, sexual abuse, and that as I got into my teens, and I really, I certainly hit my hit me completely that I was gay. I started to think that maybe that abuse had caused it. And the whole rhetoric of Watchtower is that it is a learned behavior. And so I thought this is a behavior I've learned from, from even a small amount of mild abuse. And, and it affected me a lot because I felt like I could change. And, and Watchtower talks about how you can change by praying, pray to gay away, basically. So I, I, I used to work so hard to do that. And so very quickly when you you realize you're trying to do that. You have talked to people about it and you're not praying enough. You're not witnessing enough. You're not studying enough. Then you think it must be me. Like I don't deserve to live. You know, Jehovah doesn't want anything to do with me. Why I'm, I'm doing everything I can. Uh, and I'm still the same. In fact, you know, teen urges and things, you know, you're getting worse. And so you're feeling like what's going on here, you know, and, so I, I very quickly developed a real shame about myself and a real shame about about living in this this double life. And so I really wanted to compartmentalize it and never wanted to to talk about it and just tried to get on get on with it and pretend it didn't exist. But in my own head, I was working furiously at trying to deal with it. And so so very quickly there was this. JW outside, in, you know, exterior me, and there was me inside, sort of 
trying to come to terms of it and realize is this, is this me or not and then just like playing the game as a jw really you know like i had a lot of social friends we grew up in a fairly social congregation so we're that sort of that really kept me going because i didn't have any other friends outside i used to have quite a grudge against the people who abused me like i know one maybe two but because i used to feel like they had ruined my life they had maybe do this but i used to hang in there and i'll be i'll be i'll be fixed eventually you know were were they members of your congregation they were familial well one of them was and um there was someone else i'm not quite 100 sure about but i never really talked never talked about it at all you know and i've never spoken to the elders about it and dealt, dealt with it because i just felt like i i don't know I, I think i think because i sort of was tied up with me being gay i, I sort of and even though i blame them for it i still had guilt and shame myself about it all and so i just did not talk about it when you I, i'm curious if, if you're comfortable with expanding on that a little bit sure. about the guilt and shame that you had you you mean about the the abuse that you yeah definitely definitely that which i did want to talk about it uh but also also just i felt like i had made me gay and and i felt like mm -hmm. if i was talking about the abuse it's almost like i somehow had enjoyed it in some ways you know and so that sort of made me guilty as well so i just didn't want to I just there's a whole subject that felt like couldn't be discussed one or the other it had to be discussed together and i just couldn't talk about i couldn't speak yeah so you just kind of you buried it and i know that that's a problem especially for male victims of sexual yeah. abuse like this there's a lot of shame about it um there's a lot of you know there's toxic masculinity is a whole thing and a lot of people don't believe that it's possible for a male to be abused that way and you know things like that um so you know that just compounds to it i think um that that adds to the shame and i think it's natural to want to bury it a little bit especially if you end up being gay on top of it that's right and on top of that like my father was an elder uh but he was a he was, he was a hypocritical elder he, he would get up and be talking about subjects that my siblings and I all knew was like probably applied to him more than anyone else in the congregation. And we just all, none of us, it took a long time for us to sort of really take the truth, the truth, as you might call it, more seriously. And um, my brothers never really talked to it much. And I, I, I disappeared overseas and lived in the UK for a while just to basically escape and get away. But oh, really? I still had that. Yeah, I lived in the UK for a while and I ran into some old friends and like a lovely family that we're close to still and uh, most of them and we, um, I, you know, they're, they're super supportive. But I, I think getting back involved with them socially got me back involved in the meetings and I was still partially indoctrinated. So I ended up getting baptized over there 2021 and then later came back to Australia and I was quickly caught up in the social scene. So I ended up just sort of flatting with JW friends and it became, it became apparent to them that I was gay. I just, and, but the problem is I was accused of trying to hit on to one of my flatmates and it became oh. a really messy situation. So I had a judicial committee and they wanted to discuss the whole gay thing. Pretty quickly they realized you know, nothing had happened. There was, it was just sort of them carrying on about me being gay. But even so, one of the, I remember one of the elders in the committee told me that he just couldn't stand beside of me. He wanted to punch me in the face. It was just, um, you know, I was just wow. shocked. 
and horrified, you know. Yeah, so so we discussed all of that and then we ended up having, I ended up getting privately reproved more just for like uncleanness or something. But I don't even know, looking back at what they really use that to judge me for because nothing had actually had happened. But I think it was just, had brought the topic up in the congregation and, you know, I was gay. And so I sort of really felt highlighted the way they, they felt about things. And so unfortunately I then had to live through a, a marking talk about homosexuality and, you know, my flatmates had spread it around the whole congregation. So everyone knew very quickly. And, but I also had some several people in the congregation really make a big effort to reach out and show that it didn't matter and they were like super supportive oh that's good but i yeah you know and i as i don't blame necessarily like individuals but i do a certainly hostility there with, with a lot of individuals and i've experienced that for a long time with a lot of hostility which is why i just what never felt like i could ever discuss it but there was individuals who knew who, who have over the years have reached out and you know just given me a little bit of you know support and i appreciated that a lot However, the I just wanted to I just wanted to move and start again. I still felt that I I, I could overcome this. I was still, you know, in my early twenties, still indoctrinated, and so I, I hung around and jumped through the hoops and did all the right thing in order to get my privileges back. And also, I did want the letter to follow me to another congregation. That, so that I, you're you're gay a big okay. homo <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know mm -hmm. so i wanted to move with a fresh start and a couple of close friends one of them um moved to sydney with me and we moved to an inner city sydney congregation it was a great social scene great time absolutely pioneered work part-time poor but had lots of fun you know and my my flatmate started going out with a another sister in the congregation and her flatmate like and us so the four of us would all go out together we just like a chaperone and whatever but we came her flatmate and i became quite close and the other two broke up but we kept sort of we were really close friends and we kept just hanging out a fair bit and then i started to pull back a little bit because i realized she was getting quite close to me and then she kept pushing more further and then in the end she's like wanted to talk about getting married and, oh <laughs> and like, the, the inevitable that sneaks up on you especially when you're gay because you're yeah. not you know when you're a jehovah's witness you're like if you're hanging out with us if you're single and you're hanging out with another single sister like you're probably just like oh man we're just gonna we're, you know we're just gonna go to the movies or whatever it's no big deal but everyone yeah. else is like ooh, k-i-s-s-i-n-g yeah. when are the wedding realize. bells coming yeah exactly. yeah i didn't realize and so i was getting she was getting pressure and i was just oblivious you know uh -huh. just like <laughs> this being this like <laughs> gay best friend forever and um i i don't know i just um like I, I liked her a lot, you know, and we 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 had a lot of a lot in similar, you know, a lot in common, you know, we talked about and we related a lot in many ways. So if I was straight, I probably would have married her anyway, I think. But so in the end, she talked about it, and I originally sort of agreed off the cuff, and then very quickly went and saw her and said, "Look, 
this is not going to work. It's not fair. I'm actually gay. Spoke you told her. It. I told her because it's not fair. It's not fair to like not come out um, before going into a relationship mm-hmm. like that. So I good for you. Good. That 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 takes an enormous amount of courage. Were you scared that she would re out you because now you'd moved you'd moved right to your new fresh start, yeah. new congregation. So were you? I would have been terrified that this could have ruined everything that you'd been working toward. Well, that's true. I. I felt that she was, she was a lovely person and I didn't think that she would twist it and make a problem for me. But I also, I felt like I owed her an explanation. I didn't want to do the, oh, it's, it's not you, it's me thing. It just disappeared, you know. Right. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, I thought that, you know, it's, she deserved to be, you know, a proper explanation and, and to basically move on from me. And... She then, thing is, she then came back to me sometime after, I don't know, a month, six weeks or something. And even though we've been sort of like circulating around each other in the congregation and sort of said, look, I've thought about it and I know it's not going to be easy and perfect, but I still want to marry you. And I was, I was quite in shock about it because I, I was sort of literally said, no, it's not going to work. And in the end, I, I thought about it a fair bit. I I remember the after I had a marking talk, an elder had a study with me, and he actually had said to me, I think you just need to get married. It'll help you. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. And so I, I thought about what he said as his advice for helping someone who was gay. And the I still had really bad self-esteem, and I was ashamed. And I, I really literally felt Armageddon is going to come and I'm going to die. I just had no doubt about it that I didn't deserve to live. Even so, while you were a practicing witness. Then, absolutely. I, because, because what happens is you, you're still told that you're not doing enough. And I'm not, a, you, you're looking at this, these furious sort of um, examples of people who have changed, even scriptures, you know, about like, this is what you were, but you've changed. And they're going, well, the Bible says, that. you know, you can do it. And then there's so-called examples of, you know, ones who were gay, studied, got married, happy, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's public talks about it and watchtowers about it. So you think, well, if this is the truth and this is from God, then it must be me. There's something going on with me. You know, like Jehovah doesn't love me, <laughs> basically. Or he doesn't, uh-huh. you know, there's something wrong with me. So... I, I, I had this rotten self-esteem and felt literally I'm going to die, but I didn't know what to do besides that. So I, I, my wife-to-be by then was having some health issues. And so I looked at her and thought she really needs some support, and I felt sorry for her. So I decided, you know what, Ian's going to come soon. Let's marry her, and at least she'll be able to get through these last days, even if I don't. What was her reasoning for why did she you know, come to this realization, you know what, I'm going to marry this gay guy anyway. What, why did she had to have have some reason to think that this would work out? I, I think the rhetoric, you know, of that you can change. She believed as well. She had a few friends from the past females who were, who came out as gay. Uh, and we both did actually, but, she felt like they had just given in, but if they had made an effort, they could be okay. I remember her talking about that. 
And I think also just the, if the fully indoctrinated belief that the end is going to come soon and we felt like, well, how long do we have to wait really, you know, till the end comes. Mm -hmm. And I think she felt that she could help me to change. And if it's not ideal, then I think she just wanted to be with me anyways. And, you know, like I, I, I liked her as well, a lot, you know, so I felt like, okay, we'll, we'll make it work. And so 23 years later and two kids, we, we were still married. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's amazing. I, and I love that you're bringing this up and talking about kind of your reasoning for going into it. I'm glad that you were upfront about it right away. And thank you for explaining her side as well. Cause something that I get a lot in the YouTube comments section <laughs> um, about is people that kind of are angry with gay men that, or just gay people in general that are in a Jehovah's witness situation or a cultish situation and they marry and have a family yep. and end up coming out and leaving it all behind later. And it's good to get that perspective of like why you went into it in the first place, because you were raised in this belief system that taught you that, you know, they, they didn't really have the answers. They didn't really have the solution for your problem. Not really a problem. Um, but everyone's pushing, well, maybe, you know, if you just get married, this is going to be the thing that fixes it. I remember when, when I was growing up as well, that was the few people I had two people that knew and they also were like, you know, get a girlfriend. This is that, that's what you need. You just don't know. You, you don't know what you're missing out on or something like that. And you know, <laughs> yeah, this will fix exactly. you. And that's how this happens. That's how that, big tragedy 23 years later happens. So now you're 23 years later, you have two kids. Tell us about your life at this point. Well, I, I think even if we backtrack a little bit, I, I realized that after a while, I, even though like we, we started off a good marriage, I think at the end we ended up with some, we had some high points and low points, but like what marriage doesn't really. And, but even so we were JWs, we're not separating. And, but I, I, after a while, my wife and also my children, as I got older, was talking about how I was shutting down emotionally. Like, you know, you're not there for us. You're just, um, you're distant. You're, you know, um, I, I, I was confused about it because I felt, well, you know, I love you to pieces, all of you. And I, I am there for you. And I couldn't understand what was going on. And, it wasn't until now on the other side of it that I can see that I, I was just shutting down emotionally as I was starting to wake up from being a JW. But more importantly, because I was really ignoring my, my true inner feelings and I was just creating mental health issues for me and the compartmentalizing of my two personalities and trying to ignore that other side of my personality was literally just putting a, an emotional block on me, on my external self. And that's was really where it's so unhealthy, where I think so many who may be in marriages like this. So I probably doing that I don't realize. And they're just they're not giving what they can to their marriage and their partner because they're just not coping themselves emotionally and they can't really express themselves. So in the end you just shut down everything down altogether. So that was is, is um that that what you were referring to earlier with the schizophrenia? That that yeah, kind of how you feel. Saying? Yeah. 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 When I say schizophrenia, it's like multiple personality. You know, you, yeah. you, um, in that way, you know, you've got this 
you've got this inner compartmentalized person and then you've got the external person and you've got these feelings inside and you've, you've, you're dealing with those. And so nothing, everything outside is just a shell. And in the end, it starts acting like a shell. You're not really being a person. You're not expressing yourself anyway. And I realize now how it was really, it was affecting me a lot, you know, and like the last five to eight years of my, my wife and children got older too. They, they started complaining about me that I wasn't like a good spiritual head as well. You know, I was, I wasn't studying with them. I was doing bare minimum in the congregation. I was never interested in reaching out because the hypocrisy of my father and other people I grew up with just never wanted me to be in that, that boys club of the congregation. So I was happy just sort of plodding along. And I, my, my wife wasn't working because we were homeschooling our kids, as you do. And the, uh, I just had like busy time, busy work. And I realized just the stress of everything was getting to me more than I realized. I was like starting to like drink too much. I put a lot of weight on. I mentally unhealthy, not sleeping well, starting to spiral down to the point where I just, you know, I wasn't, wasn't coping too well. So I thought, you know, maybe I should try an effort to reach out. That might, it might help me. And particularly with the complaints I was getting from my wife and, and it, you know, and it was going around a congregation as well. So I, I made a big effort. We were in a new congregation in Melbourne by then. And I decided, so they, I eventually got made an MS and I so to be pause for just a second for for my viewers that are not Jehovah's Witnesses. Can you explain yep. um, what reaching out mean and what MS is? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there's as a as a man in a in a in a current in a an organization like this, most of the responsibilities and duties, talks and everything are done by men, and it's a privilege, so called, to do these these things, and so. If you're in a good standing, you you get given privileges and you work through the congregation. Uh, a lot of them are very much interested in the um, the prestige of doing things like that in a in a congregation, and I wasn't interested really, you know. Um, but eventually, I felt like more for my kids' sake, in a way, just to, to show I was trying to make an effort spiritually and. I would, if I, even though I had these massive doubts about the organization and always did in a way, I still, there was still something probably because I was with a family and I was so caught up in it. My wife's like very, very, very blinkered about it that it just kept me in there and just kept shelving all those doubts I had. And so I was made a ministerial servant. The funny thing is that like most of the elders in the congregation my age, and I had known them already for a few years and got along well with them. But then because I was suddenly in MSD or seven, they were like telling me things that I probably shouldn't have even know. And like they were talking about with other elders, you know, I'd have a committee and things and I'd talk to me about stuff and go witnessing and things. And I just started to see this sort of behind this the veil a bit more, a bit behind the curtain and just a bit, sort of just, just confirm my doubts a lot of times about the way they handled things and that it wasn't really God supporting this organization. So it sort of just still had more doubts on this shelf. But then I think what happened was I, I got to the point where they were just wanting me to do more and more. And over these years, the, the governing body, you know, were giving broadcasting talks about, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough 
giving financially, you know, there was discussion about me even like cutting down fin- cutting down work to support more, which we couldn't have done. Uh, just a pressure of, of, of that, pressure from my family as well to do more. And then I, then I was just the whole shutting out emotionally and waking up as well. I ended up having a breakdown and I tried to commit suicide. So oh I God. was, yeah, and it was a fairly, it wasn't just an off the cuff, get drunk, commit suicide type thing. It was actually a fairly well-planned event. I, I worked towards it and planned it and I knew what I was doing. And I was reasoning that as I'm in a mess because of a few financial issues we had, which was, you know, it's, we could have got sorted out, but I just, I put it on that. And I really felt like the family and were better off without me. I was just, why not a good example? I wasn't a good person. I was better, they were better off without me. And I had some life insurance, which I checked on and because I've had it for a long time, it would have covered me for that. And, um, I just felt that they'll be better on. I'm going to die anyway. They can go on with it. They'll be financially supported. And that's it. So I, I tried. And I you mean, just, I, mean, I remember before I committed suicide, praying and praying and praying and praying, as you know, like, if you're really there, then just help me in some ways because I'm at my wit's end. And I did it about a day. And then in the end, I, that afternoon, I tried to commit suicide. So I survived. And was it a sign from Jehovah? <laughs> I thought about that in the past. Someone's like, oh, you survived. And maybe it was. But no, because if because the outcome was it of it was that when I was recovering, I thought, okay, I've got to do something about this. This is not healthy at all. And I've got to make a decision with the witnesses or not. And I thought I need to do some deep dive study to get rid of these doubts. So I thought, okay, I'll start with the usual, like 1914. And within like two days, I'd gone down the rabbit hole and explored a lot of my doubts and completely woke up. And so if, if it was Jehovah blessing me, then it was Jehovah. It was with it. <laughs> yeah. It was with opening your eyes. That's incredible. Yeah. But I mean, what an incredible story because, and I think that I really understand, I mean, I can, I can imagine your plight pretty well because you've managed to bury who you are for this long. You've managed yeah. to get by. You're still a Jehovah's Witness. You you were only privately reproved once, never disfellowshipped, got married, had kids, did the thing, just waiting for Armageddon for you to get, you know, fixed or whatever if you do get fixed in Armageddon. And then suddenly your family's like, you're not doing enough. What are you doing? You're being such a lazy bum. And you're like, I... <laughs> Like, uh, you know, it's that amount of performance that you have to do when you're in the closet and you're pretending to be straight. It's that is all consuming. And you don't realize, you know, the bits that other people are expecting because you're so focused on this one thing. I I can really imagine how jarring that must have felt. And then to like actually go all the way and become the ministerial servant and do all of this and still be told you're not doing enough. I mean, I, I can completely understand why you got to that point that you got. Absolutely. Like I, I, there's so many things like everything from, I remember studying with my son to try to lead it to baptism and just not coping with the study, you know, like it was waking me up as I was studying it myself going, you know, even more. And some points I found so grating, like having to try to, to study with them. 
and even like the yeah just just the not not just my family even like like just like the the governing body themselves are just putting so much pressure on people like i'm not the only one who felt the pressure there's so many people who felt a lot of pressure and have a lot of low self-esteem even being straight of course but just just for like they're not doing enough you know and you know could you give your best to jehovah and it's just not fair because people are doing what that but they're still feeling rotten about it it's um it's it's a damaging control aspect which is not often discussed but it's actually i think it's a big part of what leads people to suicide you know like besides Absolutely. just besides just me like being gay and wanting to commit suicide for that reason I think the fact that you just like it was a bit of both that led me to suicide. It wasn't just the gay thing. It was also the I'm not good enough. And there's a yes. lot of witnesses who feel like they're not good enough. And yes, uh, you know, every now and then they might play, they might sprout about, oh, we love you, brothers. You know, you're doing a good job. But uh, but then like they turn around and go, you know, what else can you do? You know, could you sell your house and quit your job and go and pioneer somewhere? You know, it's it's just not feasible. And it's not reasonable. no, and, and it's relentless, and it's it's not like every once in a while you hear this. You're hearing this several times a week. Every time you go to the meetings, every time you turn on JW Broadcasting, you're doing your family study. It's like you are constantly being told that whatever you're doing is not enough. Yep, yep, yep. Completely, completely agree. Moving on from there, I I basically just read everything I could and watched everything I could. And I, I had followed the ARC, the Australian Law Commission, that is, on institutional child sex abuse with Jehovah's Witnesses and live. In fact, my wife soon after this said to me, you changed after you read the ARC. And I realized I had because it had moved me to another level of disbelief and not coping with the organization, particularly from my own experiences and other experiences of people I knew who had yeah, you, you can't just ignore that if that's something that you've no. been through. What did she think about the ARC? Did she read it? No, and she did not talk about it. But the funny thing is that she, she's had issues, not herself, but with friends and family who'd also been abused. And we used to talk about that in the early days, and she would talk about that with some of her friends. Like We knew of a congregation in Melbourne that had been disbanded from one of the elders abusing, you know, like many years ago, 25 years ago. And... There was, and we wouldn't, we had a family rule. We wouldn't let our, our kids stay overnight with anyone's place because we were terrified about them being abused. Because even if you sort of know the family, you don't know who else is going to be coming in. Um, I think, as I've mentioned before, the, like we moved to a congregation and fathers warned me about someone, an individual in the congregation, and to be careful of that. And the elders had never warned us about it. So, there was this underlying thing that we we both talked about had to be protect our kids, and we're quite proud of the fact that we have protected our kids from that. But she just didn't want to look deeper into it in the ARC and blame the organisation. She was just blaming individuals. Where when I tried to then point out the fact that well, this is meant to be God's organisation, and you know all they're doing is protecting face. They're not really making an effort to to be loving. Now, what about the scripture? If, if it's in the, if it's in the, within the power of your hand to do something good, you just seem not to. And it's like, there's so many much good they could do, but they, they're not at all. In fact, they're going out of the way to avoid it just to protect the name 
And in the meantime, it's like it's completely backfired on them. You know, like it's brought if, if you're trying to protect Jehovah's name, it's brought it into massive disappearance. So they failed. So she wouldn't talk about it. As I as I woke up and discussed different things, you know, United Nations things about like I think the bottle gate happened at the time. You know, <laughs> bottle gate. Yeah, all those sort of little things, and just tried to talk about it, and she just would shut down, just couldn't cope with it, uh, and literally it was just like a blank face, and okay, and walked away. It's I, like a I switch. Just yeah. goes off. They just turn off. So, yeah. so you tried to wake her up. Do you stand by that? Do you think that you did it wrong? Do you? How do you feel about that period? I, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I I should have been. I think because like at the time I was also cycling through some medication after coming out of hospital, oh. and that was really messing me up a bit as well. And so I I was just. I was a bit off the wall. I think just the mental health issues, and I hadn't been through therapy yet, and I just wasn't coping. It was just a whole, plus a whole waking up and realizing I've been unplugged from the matrix, and this is like a new reality to me. Just the whole thing was a spin out for me. And like, you know, I've, I've never, I'm obviously never violent or anything, but I would just be like so angry about what I was learning, you know, and going, can you believe this? Can you believe that? Like sometimes I, I wasn't going to meetings, but I was listening in to the, the meetings on the um, on the phone hookup, and they would come home, and I was like, I can't believe they said this. I can't believe they said that. You know, uh, in the end, like I was sometimes actually texting the elders during the meeting and going, "You shouldn't have said that," you know, or you know, like, <laughs> no, you didn't. didn't. Like, yeah, I was like critiquing them on their on their talks. You know, <laughs> oh my god, like, like were you really? That well, wow, like, you deserve like cojones of the year award. <laughs> well, it's just like a, an extrovert has been shut off for too long. I just can't, can't hold it anymore, you know. And I was, I was just angry, you know. And like obviously, I was never angry with my family, but I was just angry at the situation of what, of what we brought our kids up in, you know. And the kids were still so indoctrinated because my wife was so fully in, and trying to talk to them, they just didn't want to know about it. And I think they were also getting advice from the elders in the congregation who were like saying, just, you know, you've just give it time and he'll, he'll be okay, you know, or, and just don't listen to it. Don't, don't get into a conversation with him an argument with him or whatever. So you think that they were reporting to the elders what you were? Oh yeah. 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 Definitely were. So what happened was my, my daughter who was in the twenties then, moved out, which you'd been planning to do anyway, but I think that it hurried the situation. And my my wife went away with my son, who was like a teenager, and to visit family. And the long and the short, I never came back. Basically, she moved out. Looking back at it, she loaded the car up with everything she could, disappeared. And when I finally found out she was, she was back in Melbourne because she'd been to visit the country, and then she was, she was she was ringing me up from another friend's house and goes, I'm back in Melbourne, but I'm not coming home. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I've been, you know, like you're, you're a spiritual threat to us. I was like, what? It's just like, I don't want you to bring my, you know, my children out of the truth. I don't want you to affect me. And yours, because I was viewed as a spiritual threat, she as a loophole that's in the Shepherd of God book that as a reason to separate. And even though there were several elders who 
personally disagreed with it and told me so. And I've, I've valued what they, they're making an effort to tell me that. They, the fact is that many of the elders did support her because the Shepherd of God tells her you can. So she was put up by numerous families in the congregation, including elders, moved one to the other. I, I took about five months. I probably saw my son once and I saw her a couple of times like over coffee just trying to chat. And I think she was just trying to record me, just trying to like, gather some more prostate information on me and and it just wasn't working and i went to come home that something like that probably sounds i mean that sounds really awful especially from an outsider's perspective that you would be having phone calls with your wife and she's trying to record you talking negatively about the religion like that sounds super shady but from her perspective she's trying i i mean not to like fully defend her here but she's trying to she can't get out of this relationship by their by their rules unless she has sufficient proof of something. Either yep. you, you got to cheat on her or you got to die or in some special cases, if you prove to be a spiritual threat, that's the only way she yep. can go. So that's what she is being driven to is recording. Now, how was your relationship with her? Jehovah's Witnesses all aside, like all forget about witnesses. How did you get along with her personally at this time? Did you have marital problems or were you pretty good? Look, towards the, the last few years, we definitely did. We had we'd grown apart quite a bit. And I think mm -hmm. that was definitely a part of me shutting down. I was just like shut down emotionally completely. And it's almost like we were living in living in the house but separate. But we but we always got along well and like, you know, we, we loved each other. Like, I still loved her very much, but I just wasn't able to express it. I was, I think this last couple of years where I was like diving down into a, a break, like towards the breakdown, I was just, I wasn't coping with anything, you know, and I, I was just shutting everyone out of my life and shutting everything down, including my kids. And so. You were depressed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you I were was. depressed and you know, suppressed and, you know, the, the real you has been buried inside of you for all of this time. Of course you're depressed. And what, what I find interesting about all of this is that they will have, they will have women stay with abusive husbands that beat them or abuse their kids. They, they'll, you know, you got it. You made a commitment. You got to, you know, hope that pray to Jehovah and hope that he fixes it. They'll make a woman stay with a husband like that, but a husband that's depressed because he's, in the closet because he's not allowed to be gay and has found out that they're abusing children, the organization, he's the one, he's the one that's got to go. It's so backwards. There's no logic to it. Well, what it is, it's really like, they, they talk a lot about the sacredness of marriage and how much Jehovah values marriage. However, when it comes to someone leaving watchtower, then is a loophole. So, so literally, they're putting Watchtower and the governing body above Jehovah's mm -hmm. uh, sacredness. So, Jehovah's marriage is sacred, but Watchtower and the governing body is more sacred. Therefore, there's that loophole. So, so what happens? What happens okay, next? So She's recording you. Nothing really happens. I should have shut up. We stopped seeing each other. I. She wasn't coming home. I just felt. I need to just, I, I just couldn't, we were, we had moved. And, to you're, we were and you're still a Jehovah's witness this whole time, right? Well, like I, I technically, haven't. Technically, or had you left yet? 
No, I, I, I never disassociated. And in many ways, I was, even though I was becoming more vocal about it, I really didn't want to be the fellowship because I was trying to make sure I could keep my relationship with my children. But mm -hmm. they were figuring out pretty quickly that I was, you know, upset about it. And I think my wife was trying to record me being apostate so that I would get the fellowship. Then it was a good excuse for her to keep, for the kids to keep away altogether. But I think I sort of didn't even need that because she was able to sort of get in their ear and, and others, others in the congregation did as well, you know, and in order to just, you know, keep away from me because I'm, I'm dangerous, basically, you know, because I'm stopped believing in the governing body. So they, they never came home and I, we were renting a house after moving to Melbourne previously. So I just took all my things out, moved out by myself. They'd moved back in and the house separated. We're still actually not divorced. It's been like a couple of years now, but um, really, we just not, I haven't gone and done the divorce thing because I thought she left me basically, you know, I've been leaving for her to do. That's interesting to see what happens there. And I, I also, um, I sort of spent a bit of time trying to see my kids. I saw them here and there, but I was trying to still talk to them. So I think this is where, you know, I sort of just, I should have maybe not be so, I wouldn't say I was heavy handed, but I just, I couldn't help myself. I wanted to try to get them out. So even just saying little things here and there was enough for them to be wary of me. And I'd go back and talk to my wife and I, and I would freak, she would freak them out like, oh, you know, dad's really bad because he's turning apostate. So I, I haven't seen my, my daughter for coming up to a year and oh. my son, I was seeing more regularly earlier because he came around, but, but he's just now freaked out. It just doesn't want anything to do with me either now. Are, are they like, are you texting them still? Will they respond to you on messenger or anything like that? Most times they don't reply. They'll reply a little bit if I really push them, but most times it's just like, I don't want to talk to you. You know, it was just a couple of one word or something. Like I, I pushed my my kids more to try to see them before this documentary came out, and they just came back with a few like you know, we're not happy with what you're doing, and until you change, you know, we're not gonna spend time with you. What were the kinds of things that you had messaged them that drove them to distance themselves? Like what, what uh, were your great big bad apostates <laughs> possessed by Satan words that you sent them? Well, nothing much really, to be honest, looking back at it. Like, I think I was just trying to get them to, like I was talking about my neighbors here. I've got some great neighbors who live in a little complex of units and they had been here and I was just saying like how fantastic they are and how supportive they are. And I think I sort of mentioned something about like, you know, really these people don't deserve to die at Armageddon, you know, because they don't, they're beautiful people. And I was just talking about the amount of support I've got from colleagues and from uh, just, just other people around who not even so much about being gay, but just because I hadn't brought that up at all, but just about separation and just not seeing my kids and how t terrific they had been. And so talking about, I sort of tried to just talk about the fact that there's some lovely people in the world that don't deserve to die, but without even mentioning the Armageddon word, but just the fact that, you know, a lot of witnesses feel like they're the only ones and, you know, we, you, you need to look around a bit and 
you know, use your own thinking a bit and literally like there's only like just a handful of things, but that's sort of level really, you know, and, but I think it's enough to realize that I'm, I'm negative about the governing body and I, I've got disagreements and I just wanted to talk to them about it. I wasn't, and you know, could I have handled it better? Yeah, I probably could have, but I think eventually I would have ended up coming out with the similar sort same things and they may have reacted the same way. And it's very hard to know with them, with the rhetoric at the moment of like, not don't explore any doubts at all, that it's hard to know what level to then start introducing things that are going to give them doubts, you know, without them sort of researching themselves. So, yeah, well, I don't, I don't think that you should feel bad about any of that. You shouldn't feel bad about that. I think um, this is something that we as gay people go through, especially when you've had to be in the closet for so long and you're being somebody else and you're lying so much and you're performing all the time that once you let that down and you let your hair down and you know, it, it's yeah, yeah. then it's like there's no stopping the hot, the fire hydrant of truth, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, man. I've I'm still that way. I'm very blunt now. I'm very honest. It gets me into a lot of trouble. But you know, when you spend that much of your life just lie, 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 lying, uh, you know, you want to be true to yourself now. And I think that's you know, it may not have worked out the the way you wanted it to, but I think that the more important thing is that you're learning how to be true to yourself, and that's really awesome and i'm proud of you for that yeah and no, i thank you like it's um it's a uh, i've always been a bit tactless anyway and I, but I, <laughs> I i just my personality but i um i i like people to be up front with me and i like to be up front of other people as well and i just didn't want to i've had enough of playing the game you know just pretending as a witness and i just a bit over that you know and mm -hmm. I, I i've got good I just know that most born-ins leave and I'm hoping that eventually they'll wake up. And I, part of the reason I did the documentary was was to actually, I'm uh, hoping that they may watch it because I was on there and also to maybe, uh, I was going to, I was meant to talk about the bigger picture, but even though I talked about my marriage and breakdowns and all those other things, they never used it because they just didn't have the time, but they sort of hung on to the gay part of it. But nevertheless, um, I think that all I can do is just wait. You know, all I can do is just thrive and do the best you can now. So when they turn around and look, you can see that you you can you can do well when you leave, even though you know I've, I've, yeah. had, I've had troubles and I've I've been through quite a, a bit of therapy late, lately, and I've had um, I've got some fantastic support a few XJWs here and never JWs who are giving me great support. And, you know, I've, I realized just that I need to, I, I need to get on with life as well. And that's what I'm just trying to do. And I think talking about this and being open about it just allows me to, to heal a bit and, and to get on with my life a bit, even though I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be doing, but I mean, you know, I've got a good job and I'm, and I'm happy with the people I'm spending time with. And I can just, I can just, just being able to merge those two personalities is actually been way more healing than I ever expected I would be. Just to be able to, I straight away feel like more emotional and more in touch with myself and expressive. And, you know, I feel like I've got some things to give, which back then I didn't feel like I had anything to give. Yeah, you're, this is probably the first time in your life that you're really getting to be yourself. 
So, and there's a lot of you to explore there and a lot to learn about yourself. So that's, that's amazing. You have an exciting journey ahead of you. So it's been, I think it's been one week or two weeks since it aired. It's today. It's like a a week and a half, really. A week and a half. So have you, are your kids aware of it? Is your family, your wife aware of it? I'm sure they are. I've heard nothing from them or my wife. In fact, I've heard nothing from any current JWs at all. Actually, one, one current JW, but he's like fading slightly. Uh, oh. But I was interested to see because um, what was going to be going on because of the, I wasn't on the, my face wasn't in any of the trailers that were on TV. So if anyone eventually saw me in there, it means I had to watch it. They had to watch it. Warning. Yeah. There was a big warning about, uh don't watching it you know in australia like texts went around from ceos and you know through elders to bible study groups and everything to book study groups to um don't watch it and i know people did like i found out my auntie watched it and got onto my father it's like oh i can't believe you know i used to nurse at him and now he's gone and done that you know like i used to look after him and it's like <laughs> oh no i'm sorry i forgot to ask you you know your permission but you know it's um so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll hear anything from them anyway. I just don't think they want to start a dialogue with me, but I think they'll just probably won't even reply if they if I do try to contact them. So, but I've, I've had so many like fading JWs or XJWs I didn't know who are out who have found me and contacted me. It's been unbelievable, like all positive and all supporting. But it's also shocked me the amount of people who are who are actually out now, people I never expected to to leave who have waking up. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It feels like there's more and more every day. And, you know, regardless of what, you know, people in your old life think of what you did, uh, I think that you helped more people doing that than probably anyone you ever met as a Jehovah's Witness ever helped collectively as as far as you know their definition of i mean how many of them converted to jehovah's witness you know you've helped how how many have watched that documentary now i the figures today i think are around about in total new south wales australia and youtube about two and a half million oh two and a half million (laughs) (laughs) just two and a half million so that's that's really good that's you know and what i really appreciate about it is that there's not I don't think that there's historically been enough focus on the gay experience. And here you are sharing your story and, you know, being a voice for the gay people that, you know, the silent minority, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that's what we would call us. Um, Do you have any advice for, go ahead. No, no, I, 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 that's one of the things I was really wanted to do was to show that it's, like it's safe to do that. Like a lot, a lot of the other things I discussed was the fact that how I've come out and even though I've had a rocky road in a way, I've, I am thriving coming out and leaving. And I was trying to encourage others to do the same. And I think even just, even with the small amount they got in there anyway, I think it shows that it's safe to talk about. And, and, and it certainly has raised the, the topic of conversation, I think, and allows people to, talk about it, like even on Reddit, a few things, there's been a few comments about it where they're able to raise a comment, raise it as a topic and talk about it with family and friends as well and maybe come out themselves as well. And there's, there's a lot of discussion often with, with teenagers, you know, 
you see on some of the, a lot of the sites sort of growing up gay and trying to get out. But it is a massive issue with the amount of people who are my age or longer who have stayed in there in order to, to try to survive. And some are married, some are single. And I think trying to, they, they sort of need relating to on a slightly different level because they've gone through years of having the shame and years of having the not coping and trying to fix themselves. There, there's actually a, a forum that a lot of very current Jehovah's Witnesses who are gay are on. It's called jwhc.org for Jehovah's Witnesses who are heterosexually challenged. <laughs> and but I, oh, I spent some time. Okay. Yeah, but it's actually it's it's not a gay XJO forum. It's a gay forum for Jehovah's Witnesses who are 100% in believing and like peemies. And I I used I was on there and off there for a period of time just originally looking for help and originally just sharing help and chatting about things. But in the end, it just blew me away the amount of people who were just suffering in there. I feel so yeah. sorry for them. I, I hung in there even when I woke up just trying to like help them out a bit. But the forum is very tightly controlled. And if you put anything slightly negative in there, they just don't post it. But particularly mm -hmm. after the, the Stephen Lett talk about, you know, you could maybe survive in Armageddon and still be, be gay. That was like devastating in the forum. You know, to see people who are fully believers, who are just hanging in for Armageddon, hanging in for the, till just to hopefully just the next couple of days, you know, just around the corner and then the end's going to come and everything will be okay, you know? And then it's like, I'm going to stop, could be another hundred years even after that, you know? And in the meantime, everyone's getting perfect. All these perfect people out there I can't look at, <laughs> can't get married, can't do whatever, uh, because you know, I've got to change and I can't change now, you know, I'm trying. So what's going to happen then? Like getting towards perfection a little bit, but it seemed to be like it was a choice the way Let talked about it as a lot, big, heavy discussion about it. And I thought this is affecting a lot of people, a lot of people. It's, it's damaging a lot of people and people disappear from the forum all the time. And you don't know whether they suicided or whether they woke up or what, I don't I'm not sure. Like, you know, I'm out of there now. But I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a bigger topic that needs to be talked about more. Uh, you know, even like the whole idea of um, like the conversion therapy, which is illegal now. But I think with a, um, the paper that you shared with me from Monash University in Sydney about how the, the harmful teachings that are taught from the pulpit or from the platform are, are equally as like equivalent to, to formal gay conversion therapy in the harm it does. Yeah, those sort of things need to be discussed as well, you know, in more detail. And you know, there needs to be. I, I would actually like to try to resurface the the XJW um, LGBT um, Reddit, which is not really used much. I think I think that should be posted upon more often, in order to get. I agree. I was really excited when they opened that up. Um, yeah. And I will flash like the, the magic right now. Here is the XJW Reddit address. You should, especially if you're gay, pop on there, um, join the subreddit, make some posts, because uh, yeah. it's a much needed place. And you know, Thanks. it could use the activity. Exactly. Like I know a lot of people have moved on to chatting on the discords from there, but really it's, there's the post 
that sit on the Reddit can be found later on and re-looked at. And like I know I, I went through lots of old posts on Reddit when I started. And there's so many people who are trying to get out and will find it. And I think if we can put posts on there as well as Discord and, you know, in, in, anything about just just positive stories as well. Like, you know, I've got out and I've done this, I'm surviving and it's really good. You know, it's been difficult, but I'm surviving. It doesn't have to be all negative as well. Yeah. Just important. And I, I think it'd be really good to hear more stories, not just about like gay people's trauma, but our experiences with integrating into gay culture and learning how to be gay. And because it's very like, it is a crazy experience to be going from, you know, Stephen Lett talking about, you know, gay people still being gay and dying twice um, to, you know, going to pride and there's kink on the streets and, you know, it's, it's like yeah. totally yeah. Yeah. different worlds and it's different for every, I think every generation it's different of, mm. of people. Like, I feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe this is my age talking, but I feel like the younger kids right now have it a lot easier. I'm probably just a, turning into a bitter old gay, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I know that yeah. gays older than me probably feel the same way about me. Um, and there's also a lot of like, um, I don't know if there's like gay culture specific things that you don't know about. Like there's a lot of um, ageism uh, especially Ooh. in the gay male community, you know, and if you're um, a, a gay man and you're getting older and you did the whole marriage thing and, you know, you're middle-aged now and you're starting, well, maybe I'll check out the, the Jehovah's Witness community kind of sucks. I'm going to check out the gay community and see what it's like. And it's <laughs> like nobody yeah. wants you. You're ancient and you're like 40 or something, you know, that that's probably really daunting. And then you're like, crap, now I have to make it work with Jehovah. Uh, I like I can't imagine being in that kind of headspace and trying to figure it out. What was what has that been like for you so far? Well, yeah, like I I've really only just started to even think about that. To be honest, I just haven't been yeah. ready for it. I really felt like I had to sort my own head out before I could go looking for anything else. And I, yeah, I think you sort of need to stay a, a gay uncultured. <laughs> With, um, podcast <laughs> yeah. just about that because it's like <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole other world out there which you sort of know about but it does take a bit getting involved in it and even if you don't want to i think i think importantly as well the there's there's a lot of gray area for people who are gay but aren't necessarily the big out there flaunting gays there's a lot right. of people who are just a massive amount of them who are just very low level and Finding them, which is where I probably feel more comfortable to fit in, is is difficult, you know, because you tend to only see the uh, the big extrovert sort of pride march type, you know. Right. You see what's on TV, you know, and that's yeah, kind of the, the yeah. stuff that makes it on TV. Yeah, but it's definitely difficult to to navigate, and I really don't know where to start, to be honest, you know, and I'm sort of just. I'm just curiously poking around a little bit here and there and just, just watching the world, you know, and just thinking about things. And I don't really know what I want to do, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a whole new, <laughs> whole new world out there. But um, yeah, I, honestly, I, I, I think it's a question that it's a good, it's a good topic. And I'd like to talk about it more down the track when I've had a bit more experience. And there's certainly sort of things I have brought up myself on Reddit to talk about it in the past, you know, and 
just na- navigating coming out and navigating relationships. But I, I'm sort of, yeah, this is all new to me too. So I've, I think coming out at my age, this is certainly completely different thing than someone coming out, you know, in their teens. Yeah. Know, yeah. And not, not like to diminish anybody's experience at all. It's just a different experience and different challenges, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that you have to face. I think, I think the biggest thing I found is that people, when you talk to people who are gay and, you know, who have never been JWs and they look at your age and they expect you to be more experienced and more understanding of things and sort of understand the lingo and everything, you know, and when you're younger, you can sort of navigate not knowing, but when you're older, like, people look at you a bit confused, like, how old are you? And, you know, have you just come out? You know, you're supposed to have the answers. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's sort of, you know, they expect you to sort of have more understanding of the whole culture because of your age, you know? And right. So that's, so trying to fast track that is, is, is more difficult. Which, I mean, this opens a whole other, like, wormhole of questions and things like for me here because or i guess just like i not really questions but just things to talk about and things to think about because the the gay community has kind of has an issue where we don't have any elders we don't have uncles you know because we all died in the 80s and 90s to the aids crisis um it, it wiped out pretty much an entire generation so there are no like you know sage figures to tell us how to go um the closest we have are like people that are you know in their 40s maybe maybe 50s now um and a lot of them because of the circumstances that they were in in their youth they are still in the closet they don't have the answers either you know like nobody has the answers and everyone's just kind of winging it and yeah, it's just, it's a very interesting. It's quite the tangled web to unknot after you've just woken up from a cult. Oh, completely. It's like a mind mess, you know. It's, um, and I've, I've realized, like, I've, I've just got out of one massive thing and I'm just sorting myself out a bit, just looking around at curiosity and working out what am I doing. And I, you know, I've literally just come out of the closet, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I really know that I feel like I need to get my myself together a bit more before I know what I want and where I want to go as well. Yeah, yeah. And good for you. And take your time. Take all the time that you need. I, I, I'm going to keep like going off on tangents if we don't wrap this <laughs> up here soon because I, <laughs> I just have so much to say about this topic. Like I need, I need to, I should make like a YouTube channel or something for stuff like this. <laughs> what a great idea. What a great idea. Great idea. Yeah. You'd be good. You should. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it'd, you be, have... it'd be a fun topic to talk about actually with a few others and have a bit of a, a discussion about it just basically just on that thing, you know, about coming out as experiencing from, from JW to a to a gay and living and in navigation of it. Yeah. And the yeah. the challenges and how to yeah, navigate that. I I think it'd be fun. Maybe maybe I'll have you have you on again sometime for another conversation like that? Maybe with a couple other people. I'll I'll, I'll keep you in my phone book. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you're open to coming on again, that would be great. <laughs> Do you have any closing thoughts? Anything? Any last words or messages? Maybe a message for those people on what what was that website? JWHC. JWHC. If any of you guys or gals, you know. Uh, 
see this or cure you know in time just you how about even saying my name from the reddit like from the post you know you'll know who i am and you know like i've i've been you know how the difficult time i've been through suicidal and many many problems but just make an effort and research your doubts and when you get out the support you'll have is unbelievable and the freedom you have is really it's priceless really you know like make the effort to do your research because when you mentally can step out from jehovah's witnesses then you can deal with yourself better and you can move on and you know you, you can reach out to me if you need to and love to talk to you guys take care Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I know that it means a lot to me and it means a lot to other people in similar circumstances right now to hear your perspective. So um, before before we leave, Yuck, is there a place to find you on the internet? Do you have like a social media place uh, to, I, to pitch? I'm on Twitter and I'm on Reddit. Uh, I was known as Fade to X, but that's gone by the board because I'm no longer faded, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm the scholarship now too. Um, but I think I've still called fade to X Adam VW or something. I've changed it just to keep the same, but um, I can give you the details if you want to put in the notes there. Sure. Yeah. All right. We'll put that in the notes. Be sure everyone to follow him. Thanks again, Adam. Have a wonderful night. And um, everyone watching this, please check the deets, follow him wherever he tells you to follow him. Um, <laughs> as usual, if you like this video and uh, you want to see more, be sure to do all of the things YouTubers ask you to do. Share this video around and help Adam's story get out there. Uh, please consider subscribing if you haven't already and be sure to ring that bell because sometimes I disappear for uh, three months at a time and <laughs> you won't know that I made another video if you don't have that bell rung. So do that. Thank you for watching. Take care, everybody.